I'm teaching on restoration, and uh, he is the restorer. He restored humanity once it failed by sending a rescuer named Jesus, a name above every name. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus is the pinnacle of the best there is. He's the head of the church. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the God of all comfort. He's a present help in the time of need. And, uh, you know, here we are in America. I know some people in other countries are watching, but, uh, you know, Kosovo had a recent independence, and their independence celebration coincides with ours, and they've actually adopted a lot of our, our uh, foundational stuff that the, the, the framers and the founding fathers put together. And uh, they just had a wonderful uh, jump uh, called Kirse, and they reached a bunch of young people uh, and shared the gospel with them. So the, the gospel, it, it liberates, it sets people free, it sets captives free. He that the Son sets free is free, free indeed. And, you know, in, in John it says, so you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So freedom is a big deal, and I'm grateful I live in a country where we have freedom of assembly, freedom of religion, freedom of speech. Aren't you? And so uh, with that provision and with that opportunity, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak to you today about restoration. And um, I, I want to start with my text. My, my key text is Joel chapter 2, verse 25. Joel chapter 2, verse 25 is a prophetic promise to the Hebrew people, which ultimately is going to spill over to everybody for all ages. And it's this statement of part of what Jesus' mission would be. And it's that I will then, then I will make up to you or restore to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping, the stripping, the gnawing locust. And, you know, the devil is such a liar. He's such a thief. We know John 10.10. 10. He said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. You got to drill down on this. This is the contrast. Satan is not to be trusted. You know, I think about people that, you know, are Satanists and, 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 are, and are in that inclination. I think that's not a good idea because that, 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 the, the head of that movement is so wicked. He's called the father of lies. He's been a murderer from the beginning. He's a hater. He's totally alienated from God. There's no possibility of redemption in him. In fact, I heard a minister recently point out that even when he's bound up for a thousand years, when he's released, he'll resume trying to deceive people and lure them away from God. So there's no redemption for him. He's evil. On the other hand, there's, there's possibility for salvation for every human being that has come into this world. It's a trustworthy statement. Jesus died to save sinners. He, he came to seek and save that which is lost. You can see it in his earthly ministry in the Gospels. He'd go from village to village, and he'd address every situation people were dealing with, all manner of sickness and disease, demonic influence, uh, mental anxieties, worries, fears, depression, you name it, he covered it. He who never sinned became a sin substitute for us. Aren't you glad? That's why we celebrate Jesus. I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for his love, and I honor him today, and I just pray Lord Jesus, you'd be, you'd be glorified today through what I say. Be with my mouth. Help me to minister to this particular group of people and those online that, God, this will be exactly the daily bread, nutrition, that manna you have for each person. Who, who has come hungry? All right, good. Well, 
Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I, I trust that in the next few moments, as I do my part to share the word God's given me, it'll build a, a, a spiritual nutrition in your system. Renew your mind, quicken your mortal body, and um, put a spring in your step, and you'll be different uh, from when you came in. It'll be brighter. It'll be better. Amen? All right, so he said, I will return and restore and complete and work out things for you. And uh, that is what I'm talking about. That is restoration. And I, I looked up, because I love definitions, and I looked up uh, synonyms for the word restore. Um, and, and it's pretty fascinating. And if you're a note taker, don't even try, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to machine gun these. Uh, restore, synonyms for to restore. Uh, revive, recreate, refresh, renew, renovate, regenerate, replenish, repair, revitalize, redevelop, uh, resuscitate, recharge, reclaim, refurbish, rehabilitate, reconstitute, redesign, remodel, overhaul. That's one without an R. Uh, uh, recondition, re-engineer, refill, remake, modernize, redo. How many of you ever, ever felt, you looked in the mirror and thought, I need to have a redo, total home makeover, update, rehab, resupply, and makeover. You know, uh, total home makeover, you know, Service International's been doing that for 30 years, you know, we'll go in and we'll fix up a place and the Lord will provide for us, you know, and, and even prophetically, God said his people would be called repairers of the breach and restorers of the streets in which to dwell. So I, I want you to understand that what God does to us, he wants to do through us. Say that with me. What God does to us, he wants to do through us. And I think in order to really navigate going forward in our mission, we need to understand what the Lord came to do. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says in the King James, For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. So he came to destroy the works of the evil one. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And he came to continually do a work in each one of our lives. You know, I love Philippians 2.13 God, we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And then it says in verse 13, for God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Um, that assures me that he's the, 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 the one that started this whole thing is there to sustain us. I was talking to a friend and uh, I took my Jeep to the Jeep dealership. Um, it was under warranty and you, you, know, you don't take it to a secondary service uh, company, you, you go, you, you, take, you take it to the dealership. And this dealership had a beautiful facility. It had a beautiful showroom. The windows were scrubbed clean. No, you know, the, the, the showroom and the cars were just beautiful. The work staff was really attentive and had been trained and developed. Um, but when I pulled the car into the mechanic area, it was as beautiful as everything else. The floor was polished. The oil was, there wasn't any oil on the ground. 
the guys were, you know, working and uh, the, the women were working, uh, you know, just heartily. And there was just, it was air conditioned, you know, and it, it, was, it was just beautiful. And there was a really nice um, sign that, uh, that had the Jeep logo on it and it said, the maker is the repairer. Say that. The maker is the repairer. Now, here's the theory of the dealership. It's like they're, they're, they're saying, hey, don't just go to your friend down the street and have him fix your brakes, you know. Uh, <laughs> when you want to have brain surgery or heart surgery or brakes, you take it to a professional, right? Because they're muy importante, as they say in Spanish. So, but it, it really spoke to me, and I paralleled it with God, our creator, is our redeemer and is our healer. The maker is the repairer. So what he starts, he'll sustain. You young people, listen. I've been a Christian for a little while now, and I want to tell you, the Lord's been good to me. He was good to me in my teens, in my 20s, in my 30s, and I'll just stop there, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on and on and on, and I think it's prophetic that we're only a mile as the crow flies from the headquarters of Energizer Batteries, where that Energizer bunny just keeps going and going and going and going. And I love sustainability. I was talking to Dale Stolzer, and he has a lot of bass guitars. And uh, he has one, a Kramer, that weighs 11 pounds. And it has, uh, part of the reason why it's so heavy is because the neck is reinforced with metal. And he says... Um, there's no, in all my arsenal of, of bass guitars, there's none that sustain like that one. You know, you can just hit a note and it just keeps going and going. And I believe the Holy Spirit has put strength and metal in you that you may not be aware of. And that whatever you're facing, sister here, her stepdad just passed. You know, you're going through a divorce, you're, you're, you're battling, you've had alarming symptoms. There are things that, losses you've experienced that you just feel like, uh, you know, you're, you're processing in a way that, you, you know, it's just, it's just been hard. Well, God's near the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And my God doesn't disparage us in the process. He's a present help in the time of need. He even told Isaiah, he said, comfort, comfort my people. He's the God of all comfort, it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. So in case you need it, it's available in amazing supply. Sharon Province reminded me that her son who passed, Jason, would have had his 49th birthday today. And, you know, she's working through and, you know, she showed up at church and she looks great and she's pressing in. And, um, and, and yet, you know, that's quite a loss for Lisa and the kids. It's quite a loss for our church. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to uh, just downplay the significance of that, but what really helps me with my grief process is the fact that Jesus has created and prepared a place for us and that there actually, in fact, is life after death, and it's not make-believe fairy tale from the ancients so we could pacify ourselves with some sort of false comfort. God forbid that we generate any uh, false comfort and false hope. This stuff's real, and God, our God is good. And I'm stirring up your sincere minds by way of reminder. In fact, um, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 13 
2 Peter 3, verse 13. I, I think that's my verse. I, I missed it in the first service, so that I, 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 I got it figured out. And, and it says, here's what Peter said about reminder. I, I, I'm, he says, I, I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly tent, as long as I'm alive on planet Earth, his passion was to stir you up by way of reminder. Basically, my passion as a pastor is not to give you something new or novel. It's not to overstimulate you into some kind of hype, nor am I called to or required to operate in some sort of performance. It's, it's to get you back on the word and prayer, fellowship with the Lord and trust in him and standing on his promises through whatever you're dealing with. And um, I think it's cool to think about being stirred up by way of reminder. I think about what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. I think it's verse 6 or so where he said, uh, stir up the gift of God that's in you. And how many of you have ever, you know, it's barbecue weekend. How many, I went to go buy a hamburger at the grocery store and it was gone. And I realized, oh, everybody's making hamburgers, you know. Well, we have a lot of it, so come, come at 1230 because we'll have some delicious burgers grilled for you. But uh, when you have a coal fire uh, barbecue, um, which, you know, is better than butane, but uh, if you let it go, it, it, the, the process of the burning uh, ash builds up on the top of the fire and it begins to smolder and starts to suffocate and put itself out. I think in life the parallel is Paul tells Timothy, hey, keep kindling afresh or stirring up the gift that's in you. So this has to do with restoration. This has to do with I'll make up to you for the years the locust has eaten. I talked to a waitress. My wife and I were at a restaurant that we enjoy and, and she made a point while in passing. She said, the years are short, but the days are long. I thought, wow, I've never heard that before. Um, I, we, we were talking about being married for 45 years. It's like, can you believe it? It's like, that went fast. But we had some days that weren't fast. We had some hard days. We all have, right? Because we're in a fallen world, and it's challenging. And that's why it's so, so good to be stirred up by way of reminder and stir up the gift that's in us, right? Stir us up toward our first love. And I'm going to talk to you about four things. But at the heart of our Christian faith is an ongoing necessity to be stirred up uh, by way of reminder, right? And um, humanity needs reminders. Even as a feature in our smartphones, we have reminders. You know, push the reminder, get, you know, put it in your calendar, that kind of thing. Yesterday, my wife said, hey, I need to wake up at such and such a time. And so she, she asked me to put the reminder in the phone. My, my, my assistant, Nancy, I lean on her brain. Thank God she is there for it. She helps me to remember. And I often, you know, I, I, I often and in fact always need to be stirred up by way of reminder. She'll remind me of something and I'll text her back, thank you, remind me again. You know, and, and, and I feel like in church, I need to be stirred up by way of reminder. Yeah. And I think some of the best messages I've heard, I've heard before, and I need to hear it again. 
Uh, my sons took guitar lessons from uh, a guy named Dave, who was such a beautiful guy, and he just taught them by way of repetition until they now can write their own songs and they can voice their own expression. And Jesus, he taught us so we would be strengthened and he imparted to us and redeemed us so we would be called to be, uh, carry redemption to the world. He's committed to us the word of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. This is really what it's all about in our little earthly lives is to shine, let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. Aren't you glad to know that he's a restorer? He doesn't just dump you on the curb and like, you, you disappointed me and I'm done with you. Uh, aren't you grateful that he's abidingly patient and abidingly merciful and he's factored so many uh, amazing things in? I want to show you so that we don't become forgetful. So look, let, let's look at James chapter 1, verse 22. I want to, well, actually, we'll read a little bit. Uh, yeah, we'll read this. It, 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 James, James, look, I told you that Peter had an understanding about reminder. Uh, Paul in Philippians 3, 1 said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things again is no trouble to me, and it is a safeguard to you. You know, he's, he's saying that there's value in reminder. And I stir your sincere minds up by way of reminder. And then James chapter 1, verse 22 he says, but prove yourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. There's a style of life where we just get into rhetoric and we just listen to stuff for amusement. But then there are things we latch on to. I've got to know this. This is important. And, I, and I, I want to be a doer of the word. What that really means is rubber meets the road, personal application I want to live this thing. How many of you really want to live this thing? I want to live this thing. I don't want him to say, uh, Lord, Lord, he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you know. It's, it's God forbid. I, I, I want him to say, oh, yeah, I, I've known you. I, I, in fact, when the sons of Siva uh, said they, wanted, they saw demons being cast out in the name of Jesus, they said, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Come out of him. And the, the demons beat the guys up, and they ran away naked. That's not a good result. And they said, Paul we know, and Jesus we know, but who are you? So you can be known in heaven, and you can be known in the regions of darkness, and you, who cares if whether we're known in this world or not? That's kind of that's abbreviated, you know. But it, the main thing is, is being a doer of the word, being a person of action, and then it says, don't be forgetful. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror and, 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 he, he, and once he's seen himself he, he, and he's looked at himself, he's gone away and it starts leaking out and immediately he's forgotten what kind of person he is. Now that's called spiritual amnesia. We could forget about our salvation experience. We can forget about the time the Lord healed us. We could forget about those times God answered our prayers. In fact, we don't have time to turn to this, but in Psalm 106, three, uh, 7, it says, Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindnesses, but rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them 
for the sake of his name. Aren't you glad for the nevertheless of God giving us mercy when we don't deserve it? Who in here, the Lord's been good to you? So much, so often, even prior to your conversion. I will tell you, my testimony is God delivered me before I had, I was even born. God delivered me when I was a child and I didn't know how to speak. God delivered me before in my pre-salvation again and again and again and again to set me up so I could eventually hear the saving power of the message of Jesus and, and trust him and be born again and repent and give my heart to him. Aren't you grateful for his mercy, his compassion, his favor? Who, who would say, man, the Lord has been significantly good to this person right here? I mean... Take the crook out of your elbow. Raise it up high. Come on, straight. Come on, wave to me. Thank you. Thank you. So, so he says, don't become a forgetful hearer, but become, apply this stuff. Put it forefront. This is what I think restoration and revival is right now, is, is, is getting us back to the heart of the matter, the why of what we got in this for in the first place, okay? So let's just look at the rest of this Twenty. I think verse 24 of James 1, uh, where but one, it says, For one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become an, a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer. That's the pivot point here. This man, this woman, this child, this person will be blessed in what he does. Let's open up the gift right here and let's look at this. Blessed in what I do? What do I have to do for that? Be a, be a, be a person that is in remembrance of him. Now think about communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 24, 25, Paul said, I received from the Lord and I'm giving to you what I got from him. And on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took a cup and he took bread and he blessed it. So this is the cup of the covenant of my blood which is shed for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. Holy communion is holy. And it, it reinforces our communion with God that we were alienated and separated from because of our detestable sin. And that nothing could set us free from the bondage of the inherent aspects of sin pervasive throughout the whole world. The only cure for it is the blood of Jesus. He's the, the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him, but there is salvation in him. That whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. I've watched unbelievers become believers on the spark and power and vibrancy of the message of Jesus. You have too. This is our message evangelistically. We want to share this good news, and we want it to be expressed in and through our lives. That's why we've got to stir ourselves up by way of reminder. Today, the musicians are going to play some songs over on the, by the tent, and they practice. They, got up, they, they were out there at 7 in the morning. They thankfully got their, musician, their equipment out before that that rainstorm that we had, it was just crazy rain. Thank God it rained because now it's uh, going to only be about 80 degrees, so hallelujah. But because they practiced, it's going to be more enjoyable because their skill is sharpened. And because you and I are invited to practice what we preach and live this thing out, it, it, it's going to increase and enhance our effectiveness 
I think exponentially. How many of you that interests you? Because I'm a product of encountering a wide awake Christians who led me to the Lord. And it was real. The, the Vietnam vet who had gotten set free from uh, heroin addiction, who had overcome the shame of uh, being discharged dishonorably because of his addiction, coming back to a thankless nation, trying Eastern religions, and unfaithful to his wife. His wife left him, his marriage broke, his, you know, his drug habit, and all the things, and Jesus changed his life. What a testimony as he drove me 10 miles out of his way to give me a ride home. And didn't browbeat me, didn't shame me, didn't overdo it, gave me something to read when I got home, and I gave my life to Jesus privately at that moment. But then publicly, a girl named Jill Cosby invited me to church. Uh, Ralph Wilkerson had started something in Anaheim at at, uh, uh, Melody Land, and uh, it was a beautiful theater area, and it was filling up with people, and this is one of many leaders that was responsive in the moment of the Jesus movement harvest and revival. He was a spirit-filled guy, and he had a pastor in Upland, California. I went to the church, and I heard the gospel for four weeks, and I heard the same thing basically four times over and over. I heard the songs to where I could sing them. I saw the culture of the church where people seemed sincere and were loving each other, and it was like it wasn't who drunk the Kool-Aid glazed over cultic stuff. It seemed like a bunch of individuals that had a lot of variety. Uh, he had an altar call, and I raised my hand, and it was, it, I was, there were two of us. It was a Mexican guy who was about my dad's age and me. And the reason I remember him is because I said, I'll never forget you. So uh, he's etched in my brain because he was one of the, he was my litter mate in the new birth. <laughs> right? It was, a, it was a, an adult Mexican guy and a teenager, you know, and, it, and I was like, hey, I'll never forget you, so hallelujah. And I pray he's never forgotten and he's followed through with the gospel. But God will never forget us. Amen. He's carved your name in his hand and he knows you and he has, an, uh, your, your plan, he has plans for you, right? And so uh, the blessing comes on being uh, reminded and stirred up by way of reminder. Are you okay with that? Yes. So I've got four points that I want to bring to you. God is restoring each of us to his fullness, his wisdom, his abundance, his joy. And I think it's magnificent what King David prayed in Psalm 51:12. He stood while he was repenting, getting things straight. He said, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Hallelujah. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? So here are four things for you to remember. And if you are a note taker, you will probably be able to write these down. So number one, the things we're to remember, number one is Jesus' work of redemption. Jesus life-transforming power that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And again, with communion, we do this in remembrance of him. And whenever we receive communion, we're putting into remembrance the Lord's death until he comes. And this really fires up the brain, doesn't it? Because you're remembering, you're like, yeah, he suffered and died for my penalty. He did what only he could do that I was incapable of doing. Somebody came in, 
when I was totally desperate. Now look, when I was lost at sea, I was totally dependent on the rescue of somebody else. I couldn't save myself. I'm a good swimmer. I swam as hard as I could, and I kept, get pulling, I kept being pulled out into the open sea. And it was perilous. And I knew I, in, uh, but for the grace of God, but for our divine intervention, I was lost. I had to be saved. I had to have somebody come from the outside to rescue me. Well, that's just the same parallel as how lost we are in sin. No amount of our own human effort could get us untwisted from that wickedness and that predicament, but Jesus did, and we've got we've to remember his work on the cross. And, and Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul made a really interesting statement. He said, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God. Can I just tell you that's a characteristic of my marriage to Patsy? It's really about Jesus. And I was getting her a gift, and uh, the clerk said, uh, what's the occasion? I said, uh, it's an wedding anniversary, 45th wedding anniversary. And the the young person went, I can't even wrap my head around that. (laughs) And, uh, you know, well, you you think, you know, that's old, you know, you know. And I, but, but. But she was struck because there's just, she just didn't see that kind of, like I talked to people in the back row, like 54 years, 55 years, you know, uh, Leon and Juanita, what was the last anniversary? 70 years. That's what I want to be like when I grow up right there. And they're sweethearts. And here's what I told, and this is probably your testimony too. I said, she said, what's the secret? I said, we met in church. And she went, so it's a faith-based kind of a thing, and it's, <laughs> it was funny, you know, the body language, uh, and I knew it was going to happen, so I went, <laughs> you know, <laughs> church, <laughs> you know, wrap your head around that, because he does sustain us. He's our sustenance. He's our provider. We're not in this because we're religious. We're in this because we were lost. And we found somebody that was saying, hey, let me pull you out of the ditch. Right? Hallelujah. Come on, man. He revives us. He recreates in us a clean heart, renews the right spirit in us, refreshes us, sustains us. Regeneration. It's a real thing. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. What a blessing. Number two is very similar. Purificate. We remember the purification of former sins. This is very interesting. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 9. Now, while you're turning to it, in Hebrews chapter 10, it talks about the blood of bulls and goats in the Jewish system. It was a foreshadowing of what was to come with the lamb that was going to die for us and pay the ultimate penalty for all of humanity. And um, the, the, the system of blood sacrifice focused and was all pointing to and teeing up to point and focus to Jesus. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. With Life is in the blood, and without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. But with the shedding of Jesus' blood, hallelujah, become brand new inside. 2 Peter 1, 9 says, For he who lacks these qualities, and I'll talk to you about those in a minute, is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten... 
his purification from his former sins. Now, what I was saying in Hebrews is the blood of bulls and goats cannot cleanse us from the consciousness of sin. Now, that implies but that the blood of Jesus can. And God, listen, God does not want his kingdom, his body, the church, to be dominated by sin consciousness. He doesn't want us to be callous and be inconsiderate toward him and resist conviction and just continue in sin. Because it says, well, where grace abounds, sin abounds, grace does much more abound, it says in Romans 5. Well, then quickly in Romans 6, so, well, I'll just continue in sin and grace will increase. And Paul said, may it never be. God forbid, may it never be. Um, And uh, how are we who are dead to sin living it any longer? See, the world's trying to advocate um, a lifestyle of sin and, 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 and actually condone it. And Jesus died to save us from it. Jesus didn't condone my sin. Jesus was condemned with my sin and suffered a brutal death and died for me so I could be free not to use my liberty as a cloak for the flesh. But through love, we're to serve one another and we're to follow through. Um, And and we don't have a righteousness of our own. This, This purification of our former sin is... His sacrifice, his work. And when Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Right? Right? That's the key. That's the, and that's, that's why we could say, God's at work in me. I told a guy, when he, 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 I said that I gave him a word. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He said, thank you. I hope he does. Because we are all called to work out what God's work, working in us. And Because right in the same context, when you read that, if you just stop there, it's pretty fatalistic. It's like, what do I do now? Do I go and follow all the Jewish laws and all the dietary laws and all the Leviticus and Numbers? What do I do? You know, it says in Psalm 25, you know, how, uh, how to get in God's high holy hill. You got to have clean hands, pure heart. Do all, all these, there's so many lists of to-do list, even Micah, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with the Lord. In the Old Testament, it's like, these are things I'm, I, can, I try to do in, in, in this sort of performance. But then in salvation, it's like, none of your works can get you saved. And they're all like filthy rags in my sight, but you let the work of what Jesus has done in redemption, and don't forget the purification of your former sin. And... Uh, Righteousness consciousness puts us on the right path. That God, he, look, he who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I stand before you and I proclaim that I've been made right with God. Now it sounds like a boast, and it is a boast, but my boast is not in my performance. God knows and I know that, I, that, that this is, I didn't earn it, I can't deserve it. It, 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 it. It's a gift. And a gift, therefore, though, has to be received. And as many as received him, to them he gives the right and the power to become the children of God. Who's glad for that? You say, Pastor Jeff, I already know this. Well, I'm stirring you up by way of reminder. Class. I'm teaching you, this is an A chord, this is a C chord, this is a D chord. Now you can play almost all the choruses of the charismatic movement with those three chords. And most of popular music. 
It's all just variations of that simplicity. You know, I got to have the privilege of meeting um, Quincy Jones. And he said, they're just 12 notes, you know. And he said, he, he even said, the, the, the best songs you play, not just with one hand on the piano keyboard, but with one finger. The best Christianity, not dumbed down or overly simplified, but I want to say not com- complicated and sophisticated. This, God, the creator of the heavens and the universe and all the elements and all night and day and all the ver- orbit and, and all, all that kind of stuff, made it where children can understand it. That takes a skill set and a beauty and a love because you got to work to make it accessible to everybody. And Jesus did work to make it accessible to everybody. He desires no one to perish, but all to come to eternal life and for me to finish this message on time. So here's the next part. So number one, we remember Jesus' work of redemption. Number two, we remember the purification of our former sins. And then number three, we remember the continual cleansing, the continual cleansing. Remember Romans 8, 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. Now I know we have flesh, and I know that the, the, the nature inherited from Adam is problematic. I know that because I'm living it. Uh, but I also know that the, and I'm developed in understanding the Redeemer and his work on the cross and how powerful and profound it is, how amazing it is. And the, 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 the purification of my former sins, like I'm not carrying a boat anchor and a chain on a, on a clasp on my ankle hauling through life or with a bunch of baggage because Jesus told me to untether that and lay it down. And even in water baptism, when I, when I was buried with him through baptism and death, I was raised up to walk in newness of life. What had happened on the inside of me in that new creation uh, uh, re- result of, of trusting him, it, it, that, that physically was a visual, like communion is a visual of his blood shed to forgive my sins and his body broken to bring healing. We need healing in our bodies. I intend to live out my days, and I'm thankful I have a healer. I'm thankful there's a healer for your children. I'm, thank, I'm thankful there's a heal, healer for our neighbors. I'm believing God for our neighbors to be healed. I prayed for my neighbor. He said he was an atheist. I laid hands on his uh, rotator cuff. He heard in skiing, and he got healed. And it was amazing because he was like, he, you know, whoa, what are you doing? And it's like I had to, I had to sneak up a prayer on Georgi Saninsky, the Russian-Soviet dissident, because he didn't believe in pr- talking. To, he, was, he had been raised in communism, wasn't allowed to practice his faith of Judaism, didn't understand who Jesus was, didn't understand that our encounter, I, I did understand. And I wasn't trying to be heavy-handed or weird or spooky. Or, it was a moment God provided for me. It was I'd fascinate you if I told you how it was set up. But God brought a guy from all the way across the planet from a culture that was totally 70 years of bondage, the experiment of humanistic, God-resistant kind of pseudo-sophistication, and it didn't work, it failed. And he comes in at the first moment he could get away, and he comes into, where does he come? He comes to a place where there's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, and there's a possibility of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and there's freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom of religion. Let's pray it stays that way. 
is every place where you see in these nations that doesn't have it, it's not very good. But thank God for where the Spirit of the Lord is. There's liberty. So these are liberating things to remember that Jesus, my Redeemer, redeemed me. He, he became a sin substitute for me. And, 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 and I've been purified from my former sins. I've actually been cleansed from the consciousness of sin. And, and, and uh, so that's not my preponderance. That's not my primary focus. That's not my main or our main meditation. Our meditation of him will be sweet. If we got in a hellfire sin-oriented loop in my preaching or in the doctrine of our church, uh, we would be in constant sin consciousness. Now, if I glossed over it and said everything's fine, you could do whatever you want, that would be a liberty that's inappropriate. We've got to stay in the balance of the word of God and the orthodoxy of the faith, and we've got to go with what the Bible says we go with and not let what society says shape us in any way or what false doctrine tries to move us toward, right? So we got to study to show ourselves approved. But this continual cleansing, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Who's glad for that? The reset button is pushed. Isaiah 43, 25, and 26. He, this is so profound. This is the Old Testament version of 1, 1 John 1, 9. I, even I, am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. God of infinite wisdom, God of the perfect mindset, God of, his, uh, of, of, the, of the absolute beautiful capacity in his spectrum of capacity has chosen to be selective in his memory to throw your sin and my sin into the sea of forgetfulness. That's why he doesn't want us to forget the purification of our former sins. That's why I don't preach hellfire condemnation 24 hours a day in this church, nor do I downplay the severity of the, the hazards of sin. The wages of sin is death, and we should hate sin, especially our own. In fact, I hate my sin more than anybody else's sin, and I'm going to keep it that way. Because that, that, that's what I, because the, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, and I'm not going to be a hater of anybody. And people say, love the sinner, hate the sin. And, and, and there's all kinds of semantics and all kinds of goofy things happening in society now, but that's been happening since Babylon, the Roman Empire, in ancient Egypt, the hippie time I was in, and 2023. The world's goofy, the flesh is stupid. And, but yet the Lord is elegant in the way he's brought redemption to, to humanity. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. I forgive you. Look, I've been married 45 years. Some of my favorite words, three words, I love you for my wife, but also I forgive you. And we've even been in situations where she goes, I just want you to know I forgive you. And it's like she's trying to you know, because she wants me to own up to it, and it's a fun thing. And we, we actually have fun. We laugh through stuff we would have gotten all hurt and all teary and upset over. Now we flow. We've grown. And in God, haven't you grown? Don't you understand how merciful he is? Don't you understand how kind he is? Don't you understand how he's abidingly patient toward you? 
Don't forget his redemption. Don't forget the purification of your former sins. And look, he says, put me in remembrance. He says, I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Look at this. Put me in remembrance. How can you put him in remembrance if you don't remember? He says, put me in remembrance. Get, this is a legal term now. This is like an attorney and a judge standing before in a court of heaven. Let us argue our case together. So state your cause that you may be proved right. So I go to the Lord and I say, God, I plead my own case. I'm nothing without Jesus. But Jesus did something very significant for me, and I thank you for it. It honors God when we embrace the gift he provided. Mm, this is such good stuff, and I only have no more time. Last point, best point, number four, remember your first love. Revelation chapter 2 Verse 4 and 5, he was talking to the church at Ephesus. I'm talking to the church, the St. Louis Family Church, and I'm talking to you guys in Kosovo or England or wherever you are right now, Florida. But he says, I, he said to the church at Ephesus, man, you, you've persevered. You don't put up with false apostles. You guys have endured. You know, you're, you're bearing fruit. But he said, this one thing I have against you. You forgot the why of your relationship with me. You lost your first love. You've left your first love. And he said, a cure for it. He said three things. He said, therefore, remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first. I think about this in, in marriage life. I think about this with my parenting. I think about this as a pastor. I want to go back to, okay, let's get back to why I'm doing this. You know, Sam Walton said years ago, when he started uh, Walmart, he said, we had no idea how far it would go, but we just, he said this, two things. He said, I knew that if we did good work and we treated our customers right, it would be unlimited. And while he was alive, that was the case. Now, you'll see a drift like so many of these things, but God doesn't want that drift in the church because Jesus didn't die like Sam Walton died. Jesus died, rose again, and he's seated at the right hand, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. So remember his redemption. Remember the purification of your former sins. Don't look in the mirror and then look away and become, have duplicity and be double-minded. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So my goal is like the guitar teachers that taught Kingston and, and my kids how to play the guitar. Dave, what a guy. Um, uh, he came to church here at the end of his life. King sang songs to him at his at his uh, deathbed and he smiled really big. He taught school at Marquette and when uh, he let my kids get off early and stuff, which I wasn't happy with, but <laughs> the way he taught, and I'm, I'm fascinated at how my kids have taken off with the chords and with the skills. And you know, Dave even said to one of my kids, he said, you're at the point now where you know, I've taught you everything I could teach you. You don't need to take any more lessons, but in the case with us, uh, let's just keep coming back to church. Let's not forsake the assembling. And, but also, take it personally. Get in the Word. And, and study and meditate. Build yourself up. Get your spiritual muscles stacked. 